0: This is Hemant
1: and Jessica,
0: and you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. Please go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast. If you like what you're listening to and support the show, we appreciate it. Uh, how are you, Jess?
1: <sighs> you know what? I All things considered, I cannot complain. Um, this is another buckwild week of American history that we're living through, and I'm yeah. very tired of it. I was
0: telling Jess, I was uh, doing some stuff for the past hour, and I feel like... I missed everything, so I got to play catch up now.
1: Yeah, it almost feels like um, when we first started doing the podcast like this and we would do like a week or, you know, how we do it now. And by the time I'd get from your house back to my house 15 minutes away, I was like, oh, well,
0: everything was, is outdated.
1: Yeah, he just did. the. I like I remember specifically one day between me leaving your house and getting home, the Muslim the Muslim ban happened. And I was like, oh, yeah. Do we have to do this daily? Like I would, I don't know if you remember. This. I would literally like timestamp. I'd say, okay, it's it's January fifteenth. It's three fifteen p.m. So that's the context we're living yeah. in. Because who knows in an hour?
0: I think uh, I was watching uh, Seth Meyers' show, and they have a long segment where they discuss some news thing, and they made a joke about it. They kept it in, and then as they're actually filming it that night, yesterday night, he says, "Listen, we wrote that joke this morning." And since then, here's what's happened. And we just thought that was funny. We wanted to bring that up. Like they couldn't even do that because the news changed in the afternoon. Yeah. Um, okay. Anyway, I wanted to start with something just totally hilarious and sad, but uh, hilarious because there's not enough hilarious news. There is a right wing pastor named Johnny Enlow who is one of those QAnon conspiracy theorist type of Christians, uh-huh. but. Um, You know, I listen to this guy say a bunch of BS all the time. None of it's particularly newsworthy or anything because it's just crazy man talking. Uh-huh. But he said something uh, today uh, or maybe yesterday that I thought this is just stupid. He's making the argument that God is sending us a sign that Trump will remain president. Now, what sign could you possibly have when the math isn't on your side and the facts aren't on your side and any of that? What are you looking at as proof that God wants Trump to stay in power. And he said the answer comes through Monday's national championship game between Alabama and Ohio State for football. football. And it's like, where are you getting this prophetic sign from God in there? And I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep whittling away at this until you figure out what he discovered as the sign, uh-huh. but he said it was in the football game. The score of that game was fifty two to twenty four. Alabama won. Are you there yet? No. Uh-huh. 52 5,2,
1: 2 2 I don't know.
0: Uh huh. So then he said, but look, if you switch the numbers, it's 24 to 52.
1: Well, you if you switch yet? if you switch the numbers, it's literally anything you want it to be, Hammond.
0: <laughs> but yes, the score is 24 to 52. And you see, what are the middle numbers in that scenario? two the middle ones when it's 24 to 52
1: four five nine
0: four and five which means Trump 45 Trump is the 45th president and by the way the twos surround it which is like God totally telling us it's a second term you guys that's so
1: embarrassing <laughs>
0: I'm going to I'm going to quote Johnny Enlow. He says this with total sincerity. Uh,
1: I'm sorry, this is a six-year-old child, right? Yeah,
0: six-year-old child or like 60-year-old pastor. I'm not sure which one or the other. He said 45 was not put in there for one term. He was put in there for two terms. It's a confirmation on either side. There is a two on either side. The 45 is right there in the middle. So that was another confirmation of the Lord saying, I'm putting Trump in a second term and it's not later. It's back to back. It's right now. Unquote.
1: I mean, if you, and what was the, sorry, what was the original score of this very important Ohio, probably Alabama football? 52
0: to 24, Alabama 1. 52 to 24, okay. With the middle numbers there would be 22 with the 5 and the 4 on the side, which also makes as much sense as whatever the hell he said.
1: Well, if you think about it like this, if you add... 17 to 52, it makes 69. And if you add, uh, if you reverse the, no, it's 42. So if you add a zero on the end of 42, it's 420. So if you think about it, they did the sex number and the drug number 69, 420 baby. So I think that God is telling us to have a drink and maybe smoke a J and chill out.
0: I think that's the only logical response to all of that.
1: So there we go. Um,
0: That's and, what sorry. People, what broken brain Christian thinking is at right now.
1: And what are, were the responses like, oh, this guy's a crazy he old coot? Or was it like he was oh, on a yeah, YouTube show. Thing. he was on
0: a YouTube show where one guy whose name is irrelevant is interviewing him. Um, and the guy's response was silence and smiling, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then when he finally spoke up, it was not to say, oh, you're crazy. No, it was to say, uh-huh, t- what else is the Lord telling us? Like, it wasn't anything critical. The guy just accepted it as fact.
1: Oh, boy.
0: Yeah. Anyway, let's get on to more serious business because... That broken brain thinking is very much alive and well right now. Oh, boy. Okay, I'm going to tell you about Derek Evans. Derek Evans was just elected a uh, as a Republican, basically a state House member in West Virginia, but they're called delegates. So he's in the West Virginia legislature now. Uh-huh. And uh, this is a guy who I know about because earlier this year when he was When he announced that he was going to run for office, Uh people did what everyone does. When someone says, I'm running for state house or whatever, they go through his social media and say, all right, who is this guy? And one of the things he posted on Facebook earlier this year as a candidate, I should say is he was complaining about a sex education book that was being used in public schools that's called Perfectly, It's Perfectly Normal. Okay. Uh, basically, it's a book designed to tell kids, here's what you need to know. I believe it's intended for fourth graders. Yeah, I think okay. it's fourth graders. But it tells them what sex is, what masturbation is, mm-hmm. it tells them what a condom is. And here's one of the stuff he said, uh, things he said on Facebook. This is currently being taught in some West Virginia schools and all across the country. It's for ages 10 to 15. It is full of over 60 nude pictures. Illustrations, I should point out to include adults having sex, teens masturbating and a man putting on a condom. I assure you it's not graphic. He says the pictures from the book are so graphic. You can't put them on Facebook without blurring out parts of the images. No newspaper in America could print them, but okay. they can be shown to 10-year-olds. Honestly, I don't know how you teach kids about sex without at least crude illustration, like basic illustrations about what it is and what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one thing. This, Oh, here's the other thing you said. The book says people who disapprove of LGBTQ lifestyles base their opinions on fears and misinformation, which... One, is accurate, but two, I don't don't think that's what the book said. I'm pretty sure they probably, I don't have it in front of me. I'm pretty sure the book just said, yeah, you can be gay. Like, that's probably it. And there's a lot of misinformation about, like, there's something abnormal about you. And Mm -hmm. the book probably says, it's not weird. Like, you might be gay. That's probably it. And he's like, How dare they? So that's my first glimpse of Derek Evans. Here's my second glimpse of Derek Evans. Okay. Because when they were doing some research into this guy, turns out he's an anti-abortion activist. Don't fucking say was found by a court, by a judge, by a magistrate, to have engaged in stalking, and he had made repeated credible threats of bodily injury to a woman who worked at a health clinic. the In fact, the state's only clinic that does abortions. Oh, uh, shit. And after he was served with that, like, stay the hell away from her, he mm-hmm. violated the restraining order in a way that it was still on his record. Like, you cannot be near this woman until December 31st, 2020. Meaning, when this guy got elected to the legislature, he still had a restraining order because he was stalking a woman.
1: Yikes.
0: So all around creep. He ended up winning. uh, He was in a race where four people are running for office and the top two get elected. Um, Uh It's West Virginia. Republicans do fine in West Virginia. He was, he ended up winning that race. He was elected. So anyway, he was sworn in on December 1st. Uh, And this week he resigned. And why did he resign? Um, Why did he resign?
1: Did he solicit sex work from an underage boy? And not a bad guess. Thank he you. He was
0: actually uh, arrested and charged with federal crimes because he was one of the rioters in the terrorist attack. Oh, yeah. Duh.
1: Uh,
0: <laughs> it didn't help uh, because this is how dumb this guy is. He was seen on camera shouting, move, move, as well as, we're in, we're in Derek Evans oh. is in the Capitol. He said his name on camera. Like he's Leroy Jenkins.
1: I mean, that's kind of like that guy who wore his fucking ID badge while he was rioting. like, I swear so- to God, the
0: dumbest terrorists are like, I'm going to wear my work uniform. I'm going to not wear a mask. I'm not going to cover myself up. Right. I'm going to smile with the camera while I steal Nancy Pelosi's podium.
1: <laughs> I mean, there is, it, listen, there's just so much evidence that people believe they can live without consequences. Like the that like white men in particular are living in just a different reality than the rest of us, because these people at no point, like, When I was marching at the Women's March, I had friends who, like, at the Women's March, which was, A, gigantic, B, like, a overall well-organized, very peaceful protest. And I have friends who, like, did not want their picture taken there because they just did not want that, like... They didn't want anybody to have footage of their. It's just something yeah. they didn't want to have in their life. They and weren't the people, taking
0: live streams and showcasing themselves there, even though they had nothing to be embarrassed about. Right, exactly. And they were like, committing a crime.
1: Like before we went out, um, a friend of mine was like, okay, so here's the thing with, and I don't know if this is true, I haven't followed up on it and haven't been to protests, but she's like, okay, um, legally, a cop can make you open your phone with the thumbprint but they Uh can't legally make you open with your passcode. So if you do a hard reset on your phone, if you think you're getting arrested, that it will make you put in your passcode and you don't have to do like, literally like, and this is not because we're trying to be sneaky. It's just because like, Hey, shit can go down no matter where you are. So the fact that these people had no thought of that were, were heavily armed says so much about their understanding of their place in the world and the fact that they do not need to be held accountable for anything they do.
0: Yeah. I I mean I'm not surprised and uh I'm kind of amazed by I mean I I've heard I know I'm not the first one to say this but the amount of white privilege and conservative privilege it yeah. takes to say I'm going to commit a crime, I'm going to smile at the camera, I'm going to livestream my crime and nothing will happen to me. And <laughs> like
1: They think they're like Brad Pitt from Thelma and Louise. Like, sir, this isn't... No, you're really missing the game of what's happening here, you fucking idiot.
0: So there was another guy, too. He was arrested for the same reason. His name was Doug Sweet. He's from Virginia. And Doug Um, Sweet is
1: his legal...
0: Sweet name is his human name he was okay. charged with unlawful entry but here's one thing that was interesting he has spoken to uh he spoke with the wall street journal i think before he got arrested but uh here's what was amazing uh, he was also caught on camera saying like hey, I need my digital soldiers to show up on on January 6th. I'm sorry, let me me rephrase that. He was quoting Trump saying, I need my digital soldiers to show up. And he said to the Wall Street Journal, and we all did. Like he's acting on Trump's orders. But here's what amazed me about the Wall Street Journal piece where they spoke to this guy about what the hell are you doing? Uh I'm going to read this directly because I'm... Listen, it takes a lot to shock me, but this was amazing that he said this out loud. When it, they're talking about the moment where it went from being a protest to you are committing a crime by breaking into the Capitol, which he they did without going through metal detectors, without uh, mm-hmm. having the invite to go in. He says he hesitated. He says he felt the need to go inside to share his views with Congress, but wanted to consult God first.
1: Oh, I that say
0: he prayed aloud. Lord, is this the right thing to do? Is this what I need to do? He said he felt God's hand on his back, pushing him forward. I checked with the Lord, he says. I checked with him three times. I never heard a no. Wow. Um,
1: He's waiting for God to tell him no. I mean, and believe it or not,
0: God didn't audibly say it, Which, holy shit, that is justification for anything you want.
1: Oh my god, like, I'm... God, should I I kidnap a child on the playground?
0: Well, he didn't say no.
1: Doesn't that make you bananas crazy when people act like... Because he... Oh, my God. My dog is just how she's just standing in the fucking middle of my house, howling at nothing. That's All
0: right. She's That's so all right. sick
1: of me being in this fucking house anyway. <laughs> Daddy, come here. Um, but like it says so much of that for him to say that out loud that he's like, yeah, that absolves me. Like, because yeah. I hey, like, he really hey, it did. I did my due diligence. Right. Like I did what I was supposed to do. I asked God and God didn't say no. Like that just it just this is re- what
0: happens when your right wing politics mixes with religious delusion and what amazes me is he says this like it's not the first time he's used that argument and i mm-hmm. have to wonder did has anyone in this guy's life ever told him god does not speak to you god doesn't give advice god doesn't respond i mean god doesn't exist but like i mean no one at his church and i know why but like no one at his church ever told him these are all voices in your head you got to make good decisions yourself. You need a better foundation for your ethics. No one has ever said this to this guy. And I know like it's, you can't expect a church to say, yeah, no, God is always talking to you. That's part of what they say. But, This is the problem when you have church leaders who encourage this sort of behavior to say, ask God for this stuff. Listen for the prophetic voice. God will speak to you. You, You'll know it when it happens. And here's a guy saying, yeah, sure, that's the conversation I was having. And they've never been told that's not a true thing. Your pastors are lying to you and they say that's how it works.
1: Well, and I think also when when religious leaders talk and and even giving them the benefit of the doubt and saying they had the best intentions, they will tell people like, listen to, you know, pray about, pray on this. And it's really just like, hey, think about this for a while. And they're really banking on their, I was going to say constituents, that's not one of parishioners or whatever, to have some sort of moral compass and moral center. So, hey, if you think about doing this thing long enough, quote-unquote God will make you realize that it's not real. No, it's just right. you being like, actually, this is like a cuckoo bananas thing to do is to invade the capital and treasonous and terrible. Um, but like, if if you basically tell everybody like, and it's wild because they're the ones who are saying like, well, how do atheists know how to be good because you don't have any moral compass or you don't have any like moral um, integrity or something like that because you don't answer to a God. Well, No, but the flip side of that is is that people don't like, if they think God is talking to them, every dumb thought that crosses through their brain, they think God put there. So,
0: whether that justifies every horrible thing they think and do.
1: Yeah, and whether that's like God told me I should cut bangs tonight after my third glass of wine or God told me to invade a fucking capital, like whatever dumb shit pops in your head, if you think God put it there, you're going (laughs) to have janky bangs.
0: This is what I want to hear from Christian leaders, Christian pastors, prominent anyone with a platform needs to admit, listen, Christians like everyone else can do stupid things. You all need to stop using the Bible as justification for your shitty behavior, mm-hmm. and you need to stop acting like God's giving you permission for all of this, and then they need to be honest about why, because some of them are going to say, God speaks to me and tells me to volunteer, which is a nice thing. Right. Just admit volunteering is good, and no one, anyone who says God is talking to them is wrong. God doesn't talk to you. God doesn't help you. The Bible is a guidebook, but it you can't just read it and quote it. It's no use to to you that way unless pastors start telling their parishioners any of this stuff you're gonna keep seeing this sort of like you said the cuckoo banana stuff happening but i mean and they're not going to because that's their whole theology right there
1: yeah that's the thing is like that's not even on the table to say well no nobody's talking to you you're not whatever like that would sort of because i i genuinely think a lot of people who are in leadership position like you know, middle management position, so to speak, in religion. I think they believe in what they're preaching in general. so to it's not like they're it's not like their teachers talking about Santa Claus and saying no, like, oh the okay, actually that they it's the methods that
0: lead them to do good things can easily be used by bad people to do bad things. And unless they realize there's a connection there that yeah. goes beyond whatever the hell they do with it, Um, Like there's something underlying that they need to address. And if they don't address it, it's Mm -hmm. just, I've seen so many articles this week, some of them admitting, finally, that, okay, you know what, that was a Christian nationalist coup. Um, really? like, we, some of them, yeah, they, uh, if not the whole thing, they were saying, look, we were part of that. We can't ignore the fact that the people who did that were believers. They were not fake Christians. They were Christians. They are people we go to church with. I mean, like, but not everybody's people. even
1: admitting that heaven. No, like not, that's not the problem all with enough. all of this is like, who, maybe Matt. Oh no. You know who it was? Whatever his name is. Uh, Sorbo, Kevin Sorbo played. Oh yeah, movie. yeah, yeah. He was like, you know, yeah, you know the Patriots are coming to the Capitol. Oh, the Patriots are almost here. Oh my God, Antifa dressed up as Patriots and invaded the Capitol building. Like, right? Sir, what? The,
0: like, but for the pastors who are saying, like, I mean, yes, you're right. There are some who are denying it altogether. Like, they weren't real Christians there, even though they were. And even some of the ones who are saying, okay, look, we were there, and we need to acknowledge that. If they want to solve this problem, they need to get through what are you teaching in your church that lets people think supporting Trump or supporting Republicans at this point or supporting any of this. If you have people in your church who genuinely genuinely believe that whatever you are teaching them is bad, it's not working or you are not doing a good job of it. I've heard so many people say like, yeah, look, I'm the pastor of this church. I would never support that sort of stuff. It was horrible what happened. But they're like, but they admit these people are part of our congregation. Mm-hmm. You, have to. Of people who got, you have to. Some of the people who got arrested, they will speak to their pastors saying, look, we don't teach that stuff, but those people are part of our, our congregation. Mm-hmm. Well, what are you doing in your church? If I mean, again, if you think of a church as a moral place, a place where you were raising these people to, to do something in the real world, and they go off and do this, Something is wrong with your teaching, where you did not condemn this enough, or you weren't, you didn't have the courage to say, "Listen, if you support this president or you support these issues, there's something wrong with you. We don't want you in our club."
1: Yeah, if that's you're not, like, not if coming. You're not drawing these people
0: to you, there's something wrong with your beliefs. What are you doing to kick them out? It's not just Jesus. That's not good enough. Because no church would say, yeah, we just we want them to believe and then we stop there. No, they want all of you. They want your whole life. And if these are the people you are drawing, you got to rethink your message. It's not good enough.
1: Yeah. By the way, I would
0: say that to atheists, too.
1: Sure. And not to be like the capitalist person all like anti-capitalist person all the time but i think one of the problems is like there is pressure under like on these churches to grow their congregation and so kicking people out does not work with like what they're doing like you know people are looking at graphs and shit and seeing what attendance is and how can we get attendance up so like because everything everywhere feels like it has to grow and can't just remain the same and continue doing what it's doing they feel they're not going to kick anybody out because that means their numbers go down and that means their income comes down so like i would not hold my breath for that
0: i want to talk about something uh totally different than the insurrection which Mm -hmm. is okay here's Let's fast forward to Democrats running everything, at least temporarily and by the slimmest of margins. But one thing that uh, Jim Clyburn, who is the House Majority Whip, one of the uh, leaders in the Democratic Party, also one of the most influential Democrats in the party, the guy who probably single handedly helped Joe Biden win the South Carolina primary, which catapulted him to the front of the ticket Uh ahead of everyone else. So very... Powerful guy within Democratic Party. He said he plans to introduce a measure when Democrats retake the House officially next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, technically they already have it, but he's going to introduce a measure that's going to create a national hymn. A national hymn. And he's going to use the song Lift Every Voice and Sing, which is sure. basically known as the Black National Anthem. Oh, okay. Um, and here's what he said. To make it a national hymn, I think, would be an act of bringing the country together. It would say to people, you aren't singing a separate national anthem. You are singing the country's national hymn. It's an act of healing. Everyone can identify with that song. And it is, no doubt, a powerful song that means a lot, certainly, to to Black people in the country. So Mm -hmm. the song, to me, isn't necessarily the issue here. The problem is, why are Democrats going out of their way to create a national hymn which is basically a religious song. We don't need a national religious song. This is one thing where it's, I want to see church-state separation, but I also feel kind of like a jackass to say, yeah, maybe don't do this one thing that you really want to do because it's not going to affect my life, but also yeah. don't add to the fuel that right. suggests we live in a Christian nation. Um, the Secular Coalition for America, the lobbying group, is urging people to call their lawmakers, their democratic lawmakers anyway, and oppose the resolution as soon as it is introduced. And what they said is, look, we know the power and relevance of the song. But, quote, we are concerned that it is yet another instance of non-theist erasure and endorsement of religion by the government. Yeah. Um, Congress should focus on real legislation that would serve the purpose of instituting real change. Mm-hmm. And by the way, no doubt Clyburn actually wants that to happen as well. Sure. But here's what we've seen so far with Democrats um, as they get into the position where they have control of Congress. Instead of getting rid of the House chaplain who, like was sued because he wouldn't allow an atheist to deliver an invocation over mm-hmm. the past four years. The, the house said, we want to nominate a woman to be the chaplain, which is progress in yeah. one way, but also why are, why do you have that position at all? You don't need invocations in the house. Yeah. They also aren't, planning, as far as I've heard, they're not going to get rid of the Office of Faith-Based and Neighborhood Partnerships. What they may do is keep it and make it more inclusive than the mm-hmm. white evangelicals who basically had power over the past four years. Sure. So it's like, yeah, good. That's a step. I hope you include non-religious people in your mix here.
1: Right. Also
0: you should get rid of it. <laughs> and the same thing I feel with this national hymn. We don't need that. We don't need a national motto that is religious. We don't need oaths where you place your hand on the Bible, um, as anything, like, well, stop fueling this idea that we are a country that caters to Christians. It's yeah, such a, it feels like such a petty thing to fight about, especially after four years of like nonstop fire. Yeah. But also, it's a dumb idea. And I don't think it's bad to say that.
1: Yeah, I mean, this feels Oh, boy. I mean, you're right. And I think I I think they in writing that memo understood the line they had to walk. I get all sides of this, you know, like I completely understand why it's inappropriate for exactly the reasons they said we're, you know, still doing that thing where we all pretend we're a Christian nation and, you know, and the thing is like, I, I get a lot of these things like connecting with local religious leaders is important because religious leaders are hugely influential in a lot of areas. Right. But Uh, boy, I don't know. Like, I just wish they would stop teeing us up to be like the grumpy atheists because we... It's going
0: back to the Obama era where he would do these smaller things that suggested Christian nation rhetoric or something. Yeah. And it's like, God, you're making me criticize you. I don't love to And then obviously Trump made everything way worse. And obviously the Christian nationalist issues under the Trump administration are way more serious and way bigger and way only Christians. They don't care about anyone else. Legit criticisms. And now we're kind of back to I'm not worried about those things continuing necessarily. Some of it will, I'm sure. And we'll have to complain about that, too. But also... Come on, stop these symbolic Christian measures. You could do better yeah, than that. Yeah,
1: it's, it's not ideal. I get it. Like, it, you know, and this is why we have to do these kinds of things. We, why we have to discourage these kinds of small acts is because then they become precedent. And, oh, we've been doing this for years. Why can't we do it now? And, yeah, I don't know.
0: All right. This one's Jessica Bate. Oh, God. Okay. I I was reading this in a Catholic publication, legit Catholic publication news outlet. But they basically said there's a group called Democrats for Life. It's a group that works to advocate for Democrats running for office. But specifically, they want Democrats who are anti-abortion. So it's a very narrow constituency, kind of like the log cabin Republicans. Right. Like, we want the pro-gay rights Republicans. And then they went ahead and endorsed Trump, which made yeah. no sense at all. Sure. So, okay. It's not like they have a huge constituency and it's not like they have any candidates are They're necessarily right. endorsing. They're but not heavy out, no, but it turns out, you know, we, we talked about how when the, whatever exit polls we have from the 2020 elections, none of which are very good because it was so much mail-in voting mm-hmm.
1: but about
0: like, White evangelicals still overwhelmingly voted for Trump, mm-hmm. but only about half of Catholics voted for Trump. The other half went for Biden. So Catholics are very much a swing constituency <laughs> when it comes to politics right now. Sure. And so this Catholic news outlet said, you know, Democrats for Life usually has religious people running the show, mm-hmm. but they just got a new president. Her name is Teresa. And her bio describes herself, she describes herself as, and I'm quoting here, an atheist, feminist, vegan, Democrat, and a consistent life activist. So the Catholic publication is like, well, that's weird and interesting that there's an atheist who is running this organization that is predominantly religious and mm-hmm. predominantly Catholic and has historically been Catholic, so they wanted mm-hmm. to talk to her. And basically, they were like, how can you be an atheist and be anti-abortion? And she's been doing this for years. We've, Did I we think have we've her on the show? Uh, I don't think we had her. We like, may have had another anti-abortion. Okay. Like way uh, back idea. in the day. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think we've talked to her. But basically, look, it's a small organization. They know that. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll get more influential as Democrats get in power. But one of the things that struck me in her interview is I don't want to make any ad hominem uh, attacks against her. Um, and I'm not suggesting she's not an atheist. She is. And I I want to say a couple things about this. One is. I think there actually is a space where she could make headway here within Democrats. She could say, I'm anti-abortion. And within the Democratic Party, we could work to make sure the factors that lead women to get abortions are are fixed. So Mm -hmm. we want to work on affordable health care. We want to work on comprehensive sex education. We want to make sure everyone has access to contraception. Mm -hmm. We want to promote all of that stuff. And by the way, they will say, yeah, we totally are fine with all of that. We do support all of that. But here's what she then she kept talking. And here's what she says in this interview that I'm like, this is why I even though I'm pro-choice, here's why I can't get on board with this, because her rhetoric sounds like an anti-abortion Republican. Mm -hmm. San Francisco, where she lives, San Francisco is the home to the University of California, San Francisco, which is the late term abortion training capital of the U.S., the Bay Area is home to Pelosi and Harris, Kamala Harris. And it is where David Daliden, uh is being prosecuted by Javier Becerra for exposing fetal tissue trafficking in California. She's basically saying this anti-abortion activist who made up shit and fake edited a video to suggest Planned Parenthood is mm-hmm. making money when they're just donating stuff and they say pay for shipping and handling. Right. Right. Um, he got arrested he's still being prosecuted over that Mm -hmm. um because he lied to officers and he manipulated stuff so she's defending him which if you care about honesty and rational like i'm
1: I'm not sure i followed her train of logic so she's saying that a lot of like san francisco is so pro-abortion that where she lives
0: she said i'm I'm anti-abortion and I live in San Francisco where all the abortions are happening, essentially. like
1: Including, and so she's saying that it's a, he's like a political target or whatever for lying about, about Planned Parenthood. Like she's she's trying to she, garner sympathy for this guy? I think, f- yes.
0: And then she goes on to say, you know, it's totally easy to feel discouraged by the blatant abortion extremism emanating from our party, dot, Jesus dot, dot. Fuck. Like, like the Democratic Party is very much not, pro abortion rights. I wish they were. They're not nearly doing as much as they could. But to say that's
1: abortion extremism. What is extremism? What is Biden? Nothing. Nothing. First of all, literally nothing. He's literally an extremist and nothing. He is a he is a room temperature cup of water, which is fine for when you're literally dying of thirst. Yes. But it's not your first choice, right? Right. Like This this will keep me from actively dying over the next few years, and then we have to move (laughs) forward. Like Elizabeth um,
0: Warren or Bernie Sanders are uh, not abortion extremists in any way either, for what it's worth, if they're the liberal ones. She went on, uh, this is also Teresa, the abortion industry is terrified of pro-life Democrats finding our voice. No. First of all, what industry? There's no industry here. They're
1: just trying to help women get through this. It's Truly really wild, like, like I believe in mental health care and that everybody should have access to mental health care if they need it and want it. Does that make me a mental health care extremist? Like yeah. I don't understand what that means. It, it's it's a nonsense saying, and I think you're right. Like it feels like shades of, of the right. And honestly, this happens a lot. If you kind of wade through, you know, online forums and things like that it is very easy to use Republican talking points because they are so good at staying on message. They've been Mm -hmm. pounding this for years. I, you know, a a while ago I had a conversation with a guy who was pro choice and was still like, but do you think women should be able to be like eight and a half months pregnant and then just decide they, they don't want to be pregnant. And it's like, whether I think that's okay is immaterial because it's not, a real problem that we're having. Right. And so we see this time and time again of like this hypothetical problem that they're floating, which isn't the issue. Late term abortions are not very prevalent. And when they are, you know, when they have to happen, it is under the supervision of a doctor who doctors are under oath to first do no harm. Clearly like at that point, choices have to be made to save one or both lives. Um, So uh, it's, it's just not helpful. And and you're right, and I'm going to, like, rail on this every day till the day I die. We know how to reduce abortions. We know how it's done. It's it not that difficult. <laughs> it
0: happens under Democratic presidents all every the time. time.
1: So uh, no matter, like, if this woman, what what's her name? Teresa. Ter- Teresa? If Teresa um, said, I am... Against abortion. I think it's morally reprehensible. I, I truly believe that when a when an abortion happens or a miscarriage happens, that is a child dying. I believe that in my heart of hearts. And I know. And so my goal is to reduce the amount of abortions, which I think is is a perfectly laudable goal. If you if you want to reduce the amount of abortions, I think that's a really good go for people
0: I mean the last reason women need to go to the doctor for anything
1: yeah thats Doctors good haven't historically treated women that good so like you know I, I, I let's all let's all take it easy on how often you know what anyway I don't want to I want to point out my point is my point is that if she said all of that like truly in her heart believed that abortion is wrong and immoral and said therefore I am doing everything I can to encourage sex education uh, you know access to contraceptives making sure early childhood educate early childhood care is is something that is affordable for people I would say Absolutely. Like we, I would link elbows with her and say, we have the same goal. We, our goal is to make people not need to access abortions. If something happens, they, and they need to, okay, whatever. She can count that as a loss. I don't give a fuck, but like we can work toward the same goal, even if we disagree, but what she's doing is not helpful. And it's, they
0: they end up going to so many of these. I I'm, I don't know if they've been to like Christian pro-life events, but they certainly go to generic like the, pro, the the March for Life or whatever in Washington, D.C. But here's what happens. They end up being like the sole, uh, I mean, I'm sure they're out on an island as Democrats, but certainly this is my issue with like the secular pro-life groups as well, which is they end up doing so many things with religious pro-life groups because where else are they going to go that they end up like, supporting all these other issues and religious views and religious nonsense, that it's like, you should know better. Why are you linking arms with these people? And I think their response tends to be like, where else are we going to go? We're not supporting all that stuff necessarily. But here's a perfect example of someone who's not religious, but using the same argument and and is a Democrat, and he's using the arguments of religious Republicans. And here's the one that really uh, got to me. This is also, I'm quoting Teresa in this article. She, they were, I think they were asking her, you know, are there any Democrats right now who you're super excited about? Because they just lost a guy near us, uh, Dan Lipinski, who was one of the anti-abortion Democrats. They lost another one recently. And so she said, we should be excited to see Tulsi Gabbard, a progressive millennial woman, woman of color, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> like, there is no way any Democrat thinks Tulsi Gabbard is a progressive and she was celebrating Gabbard because Dulcie Gabbard just introduced anti-abortion legislation in one of her last acts of Congress. So brave. Um, she also introduced anti-transgender legislation. Like there's a reason that even after Elizabeth Warren dropped out and Bernie dropped out and stuff, like no one ran to her because no one likes her. She's not progressive. Um, she's been on Tucker Carlson's show multiple times, like I think this week. By the way, here's the other thing I didn't like. Uh Teresa's group in San Francisco, Pro Life San Francisco. I wrote about them earlier a few years ago because members of her group, not her, I don't think, but she leads it. Members of her group were protesting outside a local Planned Parenthood. And they on video, they were harassing a sanitation worker who stopped by the office to do his job and pick up the trash. And they were like yelling at him about what? abortion stuff. Like, why are you picking up, I don't know, fetus parts or whatever? Oh. Like, oh, he, he has no stake in this. He's doing his job. Ju- it's like yelling at a the cash register at Chick-fil-A because you don't literally like what news. I was about to say. Like, it's this They're not thing. your problem. Stop yelling at them. Go mm-hmm. complain about the owners. Don't take it out on the workers. Okay. And that guy has nothing to do with the office. Right. Um anyway. Uh thankfully there's like three of them and they don't have influence and hopefully no one will listen to them. I yeah,
1: hope. I don't see them gaining much of a following. I think especially as we all as a culture become a little more progressive and understanding about how important sexual health care is. I hope. But uh yeah, yeah the fact they're still around is annoying.
0: Let me give a shout out to our sponsor for this week. Uh, You've heard me talk about this before, but I'm going to talk about it again. It's an awesome book, especially if you are a parent with young children and you want to talk about atheism with them. This book is called Elle the Humanist. And basically, the premise goes like this. Elle had a small problem. She was growing up in a secular household in a community dominated by religion. She was one of the only kids in her third grade class who was not religious. And when she would talk to her friends about this, they wouldn't understand where she was coming from. They wouldn't understand how someone could not go to church and not pray. And they didn't know how she could know anything about morals without having a Bible or a pastor. And she tried to explain it to them, but that's really hard to do and that's a hard thing to put on a child. And when she would talk to her parents about this... When she would talk to her dad about this, he would try to explain it in a way that would make sense to her friends, and from that conversation she ended up writing a book called L the Humanist. It's E L L E. Lthehumanist.com is the website for it. It's a wonderful book that kind of introduces kids to the ideas of humanism. It's it's really not proselytizing, but it's a nice introduction to the philosophy. And if you go to that website, com and you use the link, at the discount code, FriendlyAtheist, one word, all lowercase, you'll get 10% off any orders, or you can use the link in the show notes. So many thanks to them for sponsoring the show, and check out the book. It's really good. I want to, um, I'm debating which story I want to get to. Um, I know we've done a bunch of political ones already. Let me jump to this one in Ireland, because this is seriously bananas. Oh yeah, you're not going to after I say this story. Oh. They've gotten they've gotten better about a lot of this stuff, but check this out. For many decades uh, in the 20th century, the Irish government, with the influence of the Catholic Church, they would basically run these homes for unwed mothers because they were like, "Oh no, you're an embarrassment to society, so we need to take you and we need to take your child." And the thing is, these were not good homes. They have made movies. About these places, Uh, there was one called, I think, the Magdalene Sisters a few years ago. One was called Philomena uh, a year or two ago. I think Mm -hmm. there was an Oscar award with that. Um, And basically, these Catholic church-run homes with the government helping fund them. Um, A few years ago, a researcher was looking into one of these homes, and she basically found out that they had many kids in their care who died, and there were no records of public burials and she wondered if there were kids buried in a septic tank <gasps> on the property. And it turned out that they actually looked into this and the answer was yes. No. Uh-huh. Um, but they, they couldn't get evidence of everything because some of the evidence was gone. Mm-hmm. But they found at least evidence of like 18 kids whose remains were in that septic tank. So here's the deal. After that research happened, the Irish government said, we're going to form a commission, a government funded commission to look into this and investigate the matter. And like, what did these homes do and what actually happened here? And the commission of investigation into mother and baby homes was formed in 2017. Mm -hmm. And this week, the government issued its final report into what they discovered. And holy hell. Okay. I'm going to read a couple of this stuff. The commission has completed two test excavations of one of those sites and today confirmed that significant quantities of human remains have been discovered in a structure which appears to be related to the treatment or containment of sewerage and or wastewater. There were remains found in at least 17 of the 20 chambers a small number of the remains were recovered for testing. A scientific analysis has put the ages of the deceased at between 35 fetal weeks to two or three years old. Radiocarbon dating suggests that they are from the time that this particular home was in operation between 1925 and 1961. That's what they, I'm sorry, I should point out, that's what they found, um, I believe, a while back. Here's what they found now. And this is a more comprehensive search about everything they did. Um, And again, I want to point out, why did they do this? Because women who gave birth outside of marriage Mm -hmm. were basically punished for it because of the Catholic Church and the Irish government at the time. Here's what they found now, this week. A total of about 9,000 children died in the institutions under investigation. That was about 15% of the kids who were sent to live there. 15% 15 of those kids died in those homes. And in the years between 1960, mother and baby homes, which is their euphemism for them, did not save the lives of, quote, illegitimate children. They actually significantly reduced their prospects of survival. So these unwed mothers and their children who would go to these homes, that was their punishment. Go live there. They'll take care of you. You can't live with us anymore. Mm -hmm. It was basically sending them to a place where they were going to be worse off. And in many cases, these kids died and there's no record of their deaths because they covered it up more Catholic church cover up. And again, most of this cruelty occurred before 1953 Because that's when adoption became the norm in these situations. Uh And obviously in 2018, Ireland voted uh, to legalize abortion, which they hadn't done until then. But the Irish government says we're going to issue a formal apology. They appear to be doing what they should do now. Mm -hmm. But they're now uncovering the shit that happened for decades upon decades in much of the 20th century.
1: Didn't something similar to this happen in Spain?
0: I don't remember off the top of my head.
1: Okay, let me look it up.
0: Yeah. But yeah, this is something they're revealing now. How many kids suffered because the Catholic Church decided unwed mothers were a problem and they wouldn't allow them to have abortions. So they ended up taking in these kids, letting them live a year or two, and then these kids die because whatever the reason is, they weren't properly taken care of. Mm
1: -hmm. And then they just got
0: rid of the bodies, trying not to tell anyone about it. Bananas, crazy stuff there.
1: Pro-life, though,
0: I know oh. um, yeah,
1: the lost children of Francoism mm. um, there were children abducted from Republican this is in Spain, so Republican is different from Republican parents who were either in jail or had been assassinated by nationalist troops during the Spanish Civil War. The number of abducted children is estimated to be up to are you ready for this? Mm. Three hundred thousand. Wow. The kidnapping kidnapped children were sometimes also victims of child trafficking and illegal adoption. Um, it's highly speculative, but it happened in the thirties. So, man, yeah, (sighs) weird. Um,
0: Different. I'm going to go back to, to crazy Christians here for a second. Uh, Okay. Uh, there was a pastor in March, who Pastor Sean Bowles, who wrote on Facebook that God has shown me the end of the coronavirus and the tide is turning now. That was in March. Oh, I mean, I guess. Yeah, that was 350,000 plus deaths ago. Mm -hmm. And then in February, he also predicted that Donald Trump would win a second term. He said a fellow prophet passed away. And he shared that Trump would win two offices. And I felt the same thing at the same time, two times mm-hmm. in a row. Well, guess what? He's wrong about that. He's wrong about COVID. And so Sean Bowles actually did something interesting recently, mm-hmm. he issued an apology of sorts. Okay. And I was reading this, I don't remember seeing very many things like this. He said, um, he didn't talk about COVID. He talked about the Trump prediction. He said this, I was obviously wrong about my prophecy about President Trump getting another term. I'm truly sorry, as I am growing in this prophetic journey and was not accurate about something so big. Dot, dot, dot. The prophetic is real, regardless of my miss. Dot, dot, dot. He's basically saying, I know I was wrong. Blame me for it. But it doesn't mean God is wrong or that prophecies aren't real. Like, I just did a bad job of hearing it. I must have misheard. Not, no one was talking to me, and I made shit up.
1: <laughs> Honestly, okay, I have been thinking about this a lot because um, I was listening to Ona Ross and Carrie uh, recently, and they're going over for. They do every every New Year's. They do, they'll visit a psychic or they'll get some kind of predictions of what's going to happen to me this year, and then at the end of the year they do a wrap up thing. And they mentioned, um, you know, the uh, psychic Susan Brown. Um, is that her name?
0: That's not her name. But um, Sylvia Brown. Sylvia Brown. Yeah.
1: Um Sylvia Brown, she died a few years ago. She, she was like notoriously She a was on Yontel
0: Williams a lot. Um she also predicted like a girl who was kidnapped in Ohio and lived in a house um, was dead. Yeah. And that girl watched that episode mm-hmm. from the home where she was being held hostage.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. And she was worried because her mom was probably watching it too, and she was like, "Oh no, mom's going to believe this, and I'm alive."
1: Yeah, it's not great, but she okay. So Sylvia she, Brown. She. What are we talking about? Yeah, I want you. <laughs> let me go. Yeah, so we're talking about predictions and whether you know, if this guy had gotten it right. So in uh, when COVID started happening last year, um, apparently Sylvia Brown at some point. Um, predicted quote in around 2020 a severe pneumonia like oh my god i almost said the p in pneumonia that's embarrassing (laughs) in in around 2020 a severe pneumonia pneumonia like illness will spread through the globe attacking the lungs and bronchial tubes and resisting all known treatments uh and someone's like oh my god she did it and like a not really b
0: right vague prediction not specific yeah. and clearly you did not predict this was going to happen
1: and so that and I would so I've been kind of thinking about that like of, even if she was exact like I mean listen a pneumonia like illness that spreads through the globe attacking the lungs like yeah 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 I will give you that's a hit on coronavirus but then what next even if she was right what now Like, even if this guy was right about, oh, coronavirus is going to be over in a minute. Oh, no, I got it wrong. Like, even if he was right. So fucking, like, I don't you know I don't who else predicted that
0: epidemiologists, <laughs> right. microbiologists who know, oh, damn, coronavirus is, is hard. Yeah, could like, get on this now. There were people who years ago said, I'm going to stop doing my research in the field I'm in and shift to coronaviruses because these things are pretty damaging and harmful, and we're probably going to see an outbreak.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, that makes sense. It's just one of those things, like, the same thing with, like, Nostradamus of, like, oh, he sort of vaguely predicted September 11th. Okay, but if somebody's predictions are, like, a thing happens, let's pour through all of his writing to see anything that sort of lines up for it. Like, how is that interesting or impressive? Like, law law of large numbers, at some point, something similar to that is going to happen. It just, it's so, like, in hindsight, she totally saw this coming, Okay, great. I'm not sure what to do. So every time this person says, oh, this thing is true or going to happen, we all, all over the world are going to be like, well, I guess we ha- can't leave our homes for another year because so-and-so says so, or I guess we can stop wearing that. Like, it's, even if anybody gets these right, so fucking what? Like, what are we doing with this information? How are you being valuable to society? Right. Anyway.
0: Here's a... that I suspected, but I didn't have numbers to back it up, and now I do, so I wanted to mention it. Um, We know like 80%, give or take, percent of evangelical Christian voters voted for Trump. That was true in 2016. That appears to be true in 2020. Um, And obviously, the conversation about that for years now has been, Trump represents nothing you claim to stand for. How is that even possible? And one of the arguments that I've heard from some white evangelicals is look, we we don't love Trump. Trump is not a good vessel, but we like the judges, or we like the policy, or we like that he's doing what we want on abortion issues, which I understand. I think it's still awful, but Mm -hmm. I understand that honesty saying, look, I'll burn the whole fucking country to the ground if you give me judges, which, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, okay, that makes sense. Um, This week, uh, Ryan P. Burge, he's a researcher from Eastern Illinois University, does a lot of awesome research uh, research and analysis on religion and politics. He used something called the Cooperative Congressional Election Study, which is just a massive source of information, lots of good data there. And what he did is he said, I want to break down Trump's base, the ones who say, I absolutely love this guy. Mm Because Some Christians might say, look, I don't love him, but I like the policies and stuff like that. No, he's just looking at the people who define Trump as very conservative, define themselves as very conservative mm-hmm. and strongly approved of his presidency. He just took that sliver of the pie. and okay. said, Who are these people? They're clearly the diehards. Like they're not just the ones who kind of are OK with him. Right. They love this guy. Who are they? And what he did is he broke it down by religion. And here's the deal. If you look at Trump's base, the people who in general vote for him and stuff, maybe 22% of them are evangelical overall. Mm -hmm. Uh, 18% are like Catholic. 29.4 aren't particularly religious of any kind. 18% are nothing in particular. That's the whole population. But when it comes to his strongest supporters, Mm -hmm. just the pie, almost half of them, more than 47% of them, are evangelical Christian. Okay. Another 19% are Catholic. And like, we're down to 10% of nothing in particular, 10% something else. Like half of his strongest diehard base are evangelical Christians. Yeah. I mean, not people driven by economic problems or other stuff.
1: I mean, being evangelical doesn't necessarily preclude you from having, economic concerns but like i don't know like yeah of course of course of course this is (laughs) unsurprising i
0: I wonder what would happen if you said like there happens to be a presidential candidate and his strongest supporters are and it's a muslim candidate and hey by the way half the supporters are muslim Um, oh
1: my god people what do you you think the reaction would be on the right
0: yeah like it would be insane from the right and yet here I just want, I think it's legit to call out evangelical, specifically white evangelical Christianity for their role in creating a church culture that led so many people to think Donald Trump was an acceptable figure, whether or not they reluctantly supported him or went all out, nothing in their church taught them this is wrong. Don't do it.
1: Yeah, but the problem is we're not even at the point where he has been universally dismissed as... A dangerous man these people still believe that so like no i mean i don't know what the church could have done because it's still happening we're still watching it and you know but yeah i mean of course anytime an entire group of religious people think the same thing and it's dangerous and damaging the way trump has been yeah like where do you think they got that idea that they should follow a charismatic leader no matter what i don't know hard to say
0: right right One last story for you. I thought we'd end on a happy note.
1: Oh, except I have a story that's unhappy.
0: Oh, oh really? Okay. Well, here's this last one over here for a second. There's a creationist preacher in Turkey. His name is Adnan Akhtar. Mm -hmm. Um, People who follow evolution policy news and stuff know about this guy for a while because um, a little backstory here. In 2006, the journal Science uh, published an article where they basically showed a study that found the acceptance of evolution around the world and like in places like iceland everyone thinks evolution is true they accept it there's no problem there there. and what was interesting about the study the reason it made headlines in 2006 is because the u.s was next to the bottom of the list yeah was I think only 40% of the country accepted evolution is true. And another like roughly 40% said it was absolutely false. Cool. Um, and the, we were second from the bottom of the the countries that they surveyed. So who's at the bottom of the list? Turkey was on the bottom of the list. They have this huge creationist constituency there. And one of the reasons for that is this guy, Adnan Akhtar, who has been this champion of creationism in that nation. He even wrote a textbook called The Atlas of Creation. And it's one of these like giant books with beautiful pictures inside Mm -hmm. that clearly costs a lot of money to make. Mm -hmm. And he was sending it out for free to biology professors and scientists across the world. And here they are getting this clearly expensive book. That costs a lot of money to make and a lot of money to ship. And they're like, who is sending us this thing? Oh, it's him. And I so that's where this that, guy,
1: like, I love that in his mind, all of these scientists need is a really pretty picture to abandon yeah. their entire education. <laughs> yeah, It's pretty impressive. And, it sure must be mind. very good pictures.
0: It's not just a rich guy going crazy with his money. In 2017, Turkey as a nation removed evolution from their science curriculum. Oh, cool. For science classes but then it gets weirder because there is a video uh from vice that basically showed that wait there's more to this guy than just the creation stuff he really? thinks of himself like a turkish hugh hefner where he surrounds himself <laughs> no! yeah he surrounds himself by these barbie doll looking women um who basically treat him like a god which Upset, and he thinks he's a feminist, but also everything he was doing there, treating himself like I'm this sex god, that also angered the Islamic traditionalists who are in Turkey. And he also got in trouble for like selling alcohol and putting he had a TV show where he had belly dancers and religion. Um, I should say, some of the dancers say they were pressured against their will to appear. So, like, there's a lot going on with this dude. And then a couple of years ago, Adnan Oktar was arrested. And here, I want to read the, according to the warrant, because here's the deal. I don't know how seriously to take the warrant because I don't know if they're just ginning up reasons to put this guy behind bars because they don't like him. But also he's not a guy I want to defend. Mm-hmm. Check this out. Oktar and his followers are accused of, all right, here we go. Okay. Forming Forming a criminal organization, sexual abuse of children, sexual assault, child kidnapping, sexual harassment, Blackmailing, false imprisonment, political and military espionage, fraud by exploiting religious feelings, money laundering, violation of privacy, forgery of official documents, opposition to anti-terror law. I'm only halfway through. Coercion, use of violence, slander, alienating citizens from mandatory military service, insulting, false incrimination, perjury, aggravated fraud, smuggling, tax evasion, bribery, torture, recording of personal data, blah, 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 uh, violating a citizen's right to get education and participate in politics, and violating the law on the protection of family and women. <sighs> so anyway, this week...
1: And you he think was, this might be trumped up?
0: <laughs>
1: even if they're somewhat trumped up, like
0: all of this? So this week, he was sentenced to a total of 1,075 years and three months in prison yeah in prison (laughs) on 10 of those counts uh they're gonna run all those consecutively but basically he'll spend the rest of his life behind bars um and again i don't know how to feel about that because he's a horrible person and also i think they're just going after him for all sorts of reasons and i don't know how seriously to take those charges but yeah there you go
1: that's wild stuff Um, yeah, I wanted to bring up the Supreme Court's recent ruling about, um, about the abortion pill. So they basically, what did they say here? Uh, so, essentially, they reinstated a requirement, It's and it's federal, obviously, because it's in the Supreme Court, um, a requirement that women seeking to end their pregnancies using medication need to pick up a pill in person from a hospital or a medical office.
0: So, this is the thing they got to take, like, there's two ver- two doses of it. You take one early, and then you take another one a few days later, mm-hmm. and they're making you go to the pharmacist. If you want to get this putting another obstacle in the way of something they could have just gotten, especially in a pandemic, mm-hmm. they could have gotten it mailed to them or they could have gotten it delivered some other way.
1: Well, it says they have to pick it up in person from a hospital or a medical office. This is a pharmacy oh, a medical well, office, not even. I think they have to go to their doctor.
0: Mm. So making it even more complicated when it doesn't have to be. So we have Amy Coney Barrett and Brett Kavanaugh weighing in on abortion issues.
1: Shocking. Uh-huh. Um, so chief justice john roberts was part of the oh the majority now fuck that yeah it
0: was a 6-3 majority i mean the three liberals said no this is stupid i think sotomayor wrote a dissent like what the hell are you doing Mm -hmm. um and the other six were like yeah we're good with this put another obstacle in its way
1: Uh, Sonia uh, Sonia Sotomayor said, this country's laws have long singled out abortions for more onerous treatment than other medical procedures that carry similar or greater greater risks. Like many of these laws, maintaining the FDA's in-person requirements for picking up the drug during the pandemic not only treats abortion exceptionally, it imposes an unnecessary, irrational, and unjustifiable undue burden on women seeking to exercise their right to choose. So thank you, Justice Sotomayor, for... I mean, it was a good dissent, yeah. obviously. But yeah. so I remember. Li- I don't, when did this news? It said January twelfth. Today's the fifteenth. So twelfth was, twelfth was. Wait, was it Tuesday? What day was the actual impeachment? I like my. Oh god. Together. I I don't. Know. I think it was Wednesday. Okay. But like, shit has been going down all week, and so I got this push notification about this, and I literally yelled at my phone. Not now, Supreme Court. Like. <laughs> <laughs> shit i have to be mad about i cannot give you this kind of focus and attention right now can you just hold off like oh a, a week <laughs> before yeah you like make me cuckoo c- bananas it's so, gonna
0: be weird having smaller stories to talk about that don't feel like the world's on fire i mean but i'm sure there will still be world on fire stuff but what's I'm really smaller
1: weird is that we did not talk about this fact that our president got impeached for the second time in a term. Oh yeah. really never happened before. Like that is one, not just the most significant things that happened this week, but one of the most significant things that's going to happen in our lifetime. And like, there's just too much other shit for that to come up on this particular yeah. podcast. That's true. <sighs> Boy.
0: I hope he gets convicted. I don't know it's going to happen, but it's one of those, like, I just want to see this guy face consequences for something.
1: That's like, that's exactly the conversation my husband and I have been having is the reason I think we all sort of felt very happy and good when he got COVID is because he has been just bouncing around without any kind of consequences for his action, for his actions. And it, It's frustrating. It's disheartening to realize, like, and we've always known that the rich and white men and whatever all play by a different rule book than, you know, than the hoi polloi like us. But I, I think we as a nation need to see... Like especially after like the two thousand eight economic crash and there were no consequences there like we it, this just feels like the pinnacle of like okay we know what he did that was wrong we know what happened was wrong please can we hold somebody accountable for their actions and I At some
0: point it's gotta
1: happen right I mean I'm not getting my hopes up but no. But who knows i don't understand what i mean mitch mcconnell's long game is always the next election right so it's not like he's yeah he has no principle deciding he's- right he's not saying what's good for the country he's just saying what's good for his party uh, yeah, i don't know it's just it's a lot it's just a lot and now it's martin luther king day weekend which means i have to watch a bunch of like shitty conservative old white dudes talk about how much they respected dr king and then i have to make fun of them on twitter because what else am i gonna do uh out of a job i only have so many jigsaw puzzles to do
0: (sighs) this concludes the white minute (laughs) so where do we find you
1: oh big news hammett um I finally changed my Twitter name, my Twitter <laughs> handle. So it's my name instead of Blueberry, which has been was an inside joke from when I was 16 years old, and my last name was Bloomkey. My friend called me Blueberry, and then it became a bit that she would say Blueberry like she was British. That happened when I was 16. When I was like 24, I made that handle. Finally, I have it's now Jess Bloomkey. It's all under the same place. Like if you followed me, then you're still following me now. Um, but yeah, my my new Twitter handle, my grown up adult Twitter handle <laughs> is uh, Jess Blumke, J E S S. And my last name, don't worry, it's still pretty tricky to spell because I have a weird German last name, or it did. Um, so B is in boy, L U E M is in Mary K E. Blue, like the color, M K E. So yeah, I mean, Fall that's over. happening. Also, uh, keep an eye out. I will uh, bring it up again when it. Drops, but I was just a guest on Media Evil, which is a podcast I've talked about a couple times. Um, Dr. Sarah Ift decker uh, watches uh, media. She's a, mediv- she's a medieval scholar, um, and she watches uh, uh, movies, any kind of media that reflects medieval life and kind of breaks it down from a, from a sort of medieval historian's point of view. It's very fun and silly and light. And she brought me on to record a podcast about Robin Hood Men and Tights, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. And Hemant, would you like to guess how long we recorded yesterday about this movie that is an hour and 45 minutes?
0: Oh, God. Longer than that. Mm-hmm. Three hours?
1: Four Jesus. hours. It was so- Okay,
0: Joe Rogan. <laughs>
1: It's not. She's going to do some significant editing. I think there was just also an element of like we're friends, so we were just chit chatting some of it. Um, but it was so much fun, and I laughed so much. And she made such interesting points about you know how that movie holds up. I when it comes out because she also did Prince of Thieves. Have you ever seen Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves?
0: I think I did. It's been a long time. If I oh did. boy.
1: It does not hold up at all. So huh? that's coming up. Um, I, the the one about Prince of Thieves should be up soon. I'm not on that one. Um, and also my, uh, my husband and I, I'm sorry, I have so many side projects going because I'm so bored. Um, my husband and I have been doing our uh, Twin Peaks podcast. We are into the third season, which is one that came out in 2017. So we're, We've completed the uh, the first two seasons. Um, so if you are looking for a show to watch and want to, like we try to guide people through like what the show means because it's dense and weird. Um, and so hopefully this helps people appreciate I'm learning to appreciate it more than I did before. So Cooper Duper podcast is that one. Um, and that's it.
0: All right. I'm at oh, heaven wait. meta on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Friendlyatheist.com. Go support the show at patreon.com slash friendlyatheistpodcast.
1: Yes. And leave us a review on
0: do you have to on, the on the podcast thingy thingy
1: on the podcast thingy. Well, uh, what's it called? Apple podcast. Uh, All the friendly Athe-
0: on iTunes.
1: iTunes. Thank you. Yes. Um, okay. Okay. Here is one five star review that I haven't read before cuz I've been definitely keeping track um insightful and fun i found nope we did that one already oh here's one one star not about atheism The podcast isn't about atheism and they're not particularly friendly either the title should be woke secularism it does criticize and promote secularism it also promotes a far left view on politics which isn't representative of atheists you
0: extremist
1: they're just as close-minded and disrespectful of anyone more right than them not sure this is helping change people's minds any more than fox news and how much and how much nuance in journalism goes into it. So that's from Brian nine, nine, eight, nine on December. That's, we're not
0: getting enough Fox news viewers.
1: Oh God. How are we going to, Oh my goodness. Okay. I need to work on being more persuasive and probably toning down my voice. I don't know. I'm clear. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Yeah. Email us for lanthispodcast at gmail.com. Um, we'll see we'll you next
0: week. <laughs> hey, this time next week, we'll have a new president.
1: Yay. Oh, do you have plans for inauguration day?
0: uh i don't know yet i wanted i just want it to happen i don't know what i'm doing anymore i, th- I lost track of time
1: yeah i think i'm gonna get a bottle of champagne
0: I, everyone should yeah everyone should you deserve it
1: yeah especially long weekend it's gonna be great okay yes all right we'll see have you next it- week talk to you soon bye bye